0: Goff's three minute history. Today, vaccines are a contentious topic, and as a trope of new COVID vaccines roll out, the question of whether to vaccinate or not will certainly be on the forefront of people's minds, discussions, and Google searches. So I thought today we'd look back at another time when the issue of whether to vaccinate or to not vaccinate became the difference between liberty and death. It's the summer of 1775. American colonists are in the midst of a tumultuous period where dissent has become commonplace. The cry, taxation without representation, is tyranny. In response to Britain's series of taxes placed on goods and the refusal to give the American colonies a voice in Parliament, has given rise to a revolutionary mindset, and open rebellion is brewing. As British, German, and Canadian troops pour into colonial cities like Boston, they bring with them new disease and germs to the colonists. While these foreign troops have built up an immunity to many of these diseases through previous exposure and herd immunity, the colonists will be hit hard by them, including the deadly smallpox. Smallpox, while new to the colonies, has ravaged civilizations for millennia. Ancient Egyptian mummies show the familiar scarring left on smallpox survivors. Smallpox comes from the variola virus, and stronger strains had mortality rates of over 30%. Smallpox symptoms include a high fever, a pus-oozing rash, and raised bumps on the face and body which would eventually scab and fall off, leaving most survivors with pockmark scarring. Smallpox was among the cocktail of fatal diseases brought from Europe in the Colombian Exchange, killing upwards of 90% of indigenous populations in North and South America. With no previous exposure or immunity to European disease, it helped conquistadors decimate the Incas and Aztecs, while in greater numbers had no answer for the disease. Point being, smallpox is a nasty business, and not something you want spreading across your cities and your army if you're about to start a revolution. George Washington understood these dangers being a smallpox survivor from his teens. So, as the War for Independence was on the brink, one of the major concerns for General Washington was the idea of inoculating his soldiers in the midst of a war. Now, vaccines as we know them today were not exactly invented yet, and the process used during the Revolutionary War period was gross, to say the least. It was known as variolation, and it was much more crude. Doctors would take a smallpox scab that had fallen off of a victim and either put it up the person's nose or make a cut of flap in their skin, peel it back, put the scab in, and then push the skin back over. This would hopefully result in the patient getting a much more minor dose of smallpox and would allow your body to fight it off and make antibodies. Once recovered, they would be immune from getting it a second time. This had many drawbacks, including that it could still be fatal, A patient would still be contagious while fighting the disease, and not to mention you may be introducing it to someone who may never get it otherwise. Also the wrong dosage could be fatal. Due to this and other factors, many states had even outlawed variolation. By the end of 1775, smallpox, like British soldiers, are spreading through Boston and wiping out colonists with relentless indiscrimination. General Washington and his Continental Army are stationed across the Charles River laying siege to the British-held Boston, and to avoid smallpox wiping out his army and ending the revolution before it really gets started, he, isolates his, he basically quarantines his whole army, not allowing troops to enter Boston, not letting Bostonians come over to visit his army, and quarantining any soldiers or civilians showing symptoms of the disease. While this was a temporary solution to the problem, when the army began to move about, this would be impossible to maintain. So Washington set out to vaccinate his entire army. The problem was if he inoculated the entire army all at once, they would be fighting the symptoms and down for at least a month, hardly what you want your soldiers going through to start the war. So Washington tried a different approach. He ignored the congressional ban and went ahead and inoculated all new recruits so that at the time they were done with training, they would be fully recovered before they were around the rest of the soldiers and entering into battle. Despite this, smallpox still hammered away at different sections of the Continental Army. For example, during the Siege of Quebec in 1776, Major General John Thomas lost over half of his 10,000-man army while he himself died of the disease during their retreat. In the winter of 1777, Washington told Congress He needed to inoculate or immunize the whole army or they would lose. 40,000 men would be vaccinated throughout the year, all done in secret, so the British would not know of the disadvantage the American troops would have as they were recovering from inoculation. While new recruits coming in had already gone through the immunization process and veterans were being inoculated in smaller divisions, none may have had it worse than those at Valley Forge. As the Continental Army hunkered down in Valley Forge in the winter of 1778, a smallpox outbreak began to rear its ugly head among the ranks. So as not to create an epidemic, Washington ordered all soldiers who had not yet had the disease to be infected, some 4,000 men. So to go with the lack of food and clothing at Valley Forge and the severe weather, many troops there had to deal with the effects of varialization as well. It's easy to see how one of Washington's biggest successes was actually keeping the army together during the winter of 1778 without fighting a battle. Washington's decision to successfully immunize the army led not only to the colonists' ability to stave off and outlast the British in the war for independence, but also opened Congress's eyes to the advantages of inoculation, which they quickly promoted throughout the civilian population. Now, an actual smallpox vaccine was not created until 20 years later. When in 1796, English doctor Edward Jenner took the pus from a cowpox victim. Cowpox being a relative of smallpox with milder effects and injected it into an 8-year-old boy and then tried the method of variolation with no effects. This experiment proved a person could be immune without actually being exposed to the smallpox virus through the vaccination. Thus, the first ever vaccine was created. While Jenner faced many critics initially, the vaccine soon caught on because of the mild side effects, low mortality rate, and it allowed the victim or recipient of the vaccine not to be contagious at all. The last death from smallpox in the United States came in 1949, and in May of 1980, the World Health Organization declared smallpox officially eradicated. As brilliant a general as Washington would be heralded, for winning with less than favorable odds, undertrained and undersupplied men, losing more battles than he won, perhaps his greatest military decision of the war was to vaccinate his men from smallpox and help win our independence. Class dismissed. This podcast, written, produced, and narrated by Isaac Goff in wild, wonderful Wart County, West Virginia. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle.